Good morning, everybody. It's good to be here. We haven't been here for quite a while now, and this looks like there's quite a lot of new people. So my name's Russell, my wife Jenny. Uh, we've been married 40 years next month, and got three sons and some granddaughters. <laughs> yeah, just beautiful worship and wonderful presence of God here right now this morning. And uh, yeah, let's just so you know who we are, because often, I don't know about you, but I like to know who I'm listening to sometimes, and so, um, like I said, we've got three sons in their 30s and some grandchildren, and uh, I've been saved 42 years, my wife about 45 years, and so we've been walking with the Lord a fair amount of time, and uh, got to, only got saved in my 20s, and um, we've only been in two churches, one in Durban, uh, and then one in Cape Town. We joined Andrew Selly when he first started Josh Chen with 15 people. Um, the, the first official Sunday night, we said, this is our first meeting, the 15 of us sitting in his lounge, and we met Andrew by a God moment, I would say, and one of those times when you think, why would I join with these guys? Because they're all hippies, you know, all, Andrew had hair down here, and uh, he always says we arrived in our Mercedes, and you know, we were in business, I was in the printing industry, and factory manager of a part of an international company, and um, they weren't the last guys I would have sort of connected with and done life with, but God, you know, God has connected our hearts, and it was something of what the Lord wanted, and so we've been journeying together since January 99, and that's 23 years, we're in our 24th year now, and we've seen the church grow to, I think, 6,000 people, 40 congregations, this congregation, we've seen birth many years ago, and, uh, and the one that Richard planted first in, some, in uh, Stellenbosch, so it's been quite a journey of seeing what God's doing, you know, and there's a reason God wants us to advance his kingdom in this life and take ground and, and, people, and to help people to disciple people. Go and make disciples of the world. And I love the, the, the words that have been coming through this morning. It feels like God is centering on something of us as a people. A lot of you are quite new uh, to this particular congregation, maybe to, even to Josh Jen. And uh, so it's just phenomenal to see what God's doing. And our, our journey, just in the last two weeks, we were in Port Elizabeth two weeks ago, and it was a quipping time where guys all came together from all over the Eastern Cape, and 600 leaders there, and I only got as far as 15 minutes, by the way, in preaching, and the Holy Spirit just decided to work amongst the people, and two hours later, tried again, and we managed to preach. And, uh, and then last weekend, we were in Gauteng, all the churches, six provinces came together in Gauteng, for, also for an equipping time, and to see what God is doing there and through the different provinces in South Africa. And yesterday we were in Wellington with uh, all the guys from the Cape Flats, all the leaders there, and the challenges that they've got and the things that they've got to work through. And then yesterday afternoon we joined the Durnbull uh, Evening Congregation leaders just outside Wellington. So we got home late last night, and here we are today with you guys. And just it's amazing the common um, just love amongst God's people. It doesn't matter what culture, what language you are, what, what you're dealing with, but God is on the move. Um, and, and yesterday I was just talking to some leaders in the Durbanville congregation, and, and their dad was with us in the, the morning. I, I led Durbanville for 10 years until July last year, and we handed it over to a young guy to continue leading. We're more on the road now. Next week we're in Namibia. And, um, and we just talked to this, this, this couple, and they, their dad, he's 89. He's turning 90 this week. And uh, he's on fire for God. Burning for the Lord Jesus. Radical Christian, I would call it. You know, I preached once on, on radical Christianity. And we, he came up, I can't remember why he came up to, to pray. 
And there was a young guy sitting amongst the people. And I just met with him that week. And he said, you know, how come uh, the morning congregation is a little bit quieter compared to the Durbanville evening congregation? They're all young folk, and, you know, they can say pizza in 20 minutes, and everybody's there. You say pizza, let's go meet for pizza in Durbanville morning, and it takes two weeks. You know, I'm in Joburg on business, I'm in parents' meetings, and, you know, it's just, we got, we're the highest children-to-parent ratio, uh, adult ratio in Josh Jen. We're two to one, and we had 115 children on a Sunday. And... Um, and, you know, so, so this, and when I was preaching this about being a radical Christian, and Uncle Stan, we call him, he came up 89, and he prayed a fire prayer, you know. And as he went back, and old CJ was sitting here, 19-year-old, and he had questioned, why is the morning congregation so much quieter than the evening congregation? I said, CJ, see that man going back there, walking back to his seat, 89 years old. His wife has got Alzheimer's, and he's by her side right now. He's raised five children for the Lord Jesus. He's burning for God 50 years after serving, knowing Jesus. On passionate, prays every day for me and for many others. He spends hours in prayer for us. He's not giving up. He isn't dialed, dialed out and retired, you know. We've got a, Uncle Ivan. He's also about 86, 87. In, he's now in Pongola. He planted Hoodsprate about five years ago. And Ivan, every time I see him, at 85, 86, maybe 87 now, I'll lose touch. And uh, he says, where do you want me to plant a church next? You know, Nasna has, has, is there Josh Jen and Nasna? Do you want me to go there? And the guy's like, he's struggling. He's physically, he's not so well. Back operations and this and fingers and hips. and But he's on fire. The inside and the spirit of God is just burning for the Lord Jesus. There's no retirement in the kingdom of God. I was in business for 24 years, ministry now, something like 20, something more plus years. And uh, I just learned this, man. You, you, you know, I should be retired now, but I want to keep going. I, like Ivan says, I want to go out with, with my, wearing my boots, you know, preaching the Lord, for the, about the Lord Jesus. And that just came through the man who came up. Was it Andre who came up and shared earlier? Man, that's so lovely to see the passion that God's ignited in you. Where are you sitting? Wave at me. Are you over there? Just thought God's done something in you, and maybe it's ongoing. I don't know, but there's, there's a passion. When, so does Somerset West grip your hearts? Do you burn for this area? You know, born-again Christians, there's only one type of Christian, by the way, in the Bible, a born-again Christian. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you will not into the kingdom of God. There's no good, good people don't go to heaven. It's always hard to get. God's ways are so different to our ways. We are... You know, the amount of times I've tried to rationalize and understand God, he says, no, no, my, you, you don't fully understand me. All the godly values are so opposite to the kingdom, to the, the, the values of this world. It's all upside down. It's different. And, you know, you should hate and revenge. And God says, no, just bless your enemies. What? You know, bless my enemies. You must be crazy. And all, all the movies are, and, and his wife was killed and he got revenge, you know. Oh, you know, it's always about getting back in man's way. And God is so different in the way he operates. Somerset West, should, there should be a burning in your heart for Somerset West. This, this, the Bond Institute did a study once in America. And America's actually got quite a lot of similarities to South Africa, um, even financially and all that type of thing, in terms of percentage. And uh, they worked out there's actually probably 5% born-again Christians in America. And I've done the, the rough sums in South Africa as well. You even just take Durbanville. I think the greater Durbanville area should be 100,000 people, the bigger Durbanville. And you just work out how many churches, and you can work out how many people in those churches. not difficult to do. We've got about 5% born-again Christians in this country. There's a lot of work to be done. And we can't take this beautiful gift that we've been given, this knowledge, this treasure of eternity. We can't just sit and 
go through the motions of church and, and, and say, well, I'm, you know, I'm a bit reserved, I'm an introvert, I'm conservative. Throw that in the rubbish bin, man. You know, my personality is to sit at the back, to be quiet, to go and sit and just quietly. Jenny, Jenny could, can read a book walking. Um, she, we're both introverts. And she's a degree in zoology and she's cleverer than me in many ways and in most ways and all ways, okay. Um, and, but you know, God is looking for a people right now who will get back and don't just, not just saying, well, I've got my ticket. I'll raise my hand in a meeting once. I got born again, and, uh, and I know the Lord. I love the Lord. Really, do you? Because Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. His love language is one of obedience, of doing, from salvation. No, you cannot do anything to earn salvation. We know that. It's a gift of God. Jesus, I don't think we've got any idea what we've been saved from. We say I've been saved. From what? From hell. It's a real, and this is not a popular doctrine to teach on anymore. I've had a young lady come into my lounge and sit down, and her, her father's a, a minister in a very well-known denomination in, in this country. And she got born again, apparently, when I was preaching once. And she said, I'm leaving your congregation because you preach on hell. You believe in hell. We don't talk about it often, but you believe in hell. Because quite popularly, it's just to consider oblivion. You know, you've got to be at Jesus or you're just going to nothingness. And that's not biblical. Say from what? Are you just a believer? Then if you believe, there should be a result and an action from your belief and your understanding. And this morning, I want to talk about growing in the grace gift that God has given you. Because every single one of you is a gift from God. You're not just called to just sit and occupy a space and go to church on Sundays and, and have incredible worship and good announcements and prayer times. There's so much more that God has called you into. And when a healthy church, and one of the passions, I mean, Andrew spoke about it. I so love that he... It was the first clip that was up. Um, and he just spoke, so this is the type of church that we want to be. Because a healthy church just can't help but being alive. It can't help but draw people to it. What, what are people, you know, people were drawn to Jesus. And initially this says in the book of Isaiah that there was nothing to draw us to him. Nothing. He wasn't this cool dude. He wasn't like Mr. Popular. And so there was nothing to draw us to him. But when he was anointed and the anointing of God came on him, then he became attractive and sweet and beautiful. Come follow me. Drop everything. I'll follow you. And there's almost this morning God is saying, come follow me. Come follow me. Drop everything. No, but I've just got to go and check the field that I bought, the new property, the new house I've got. I've got to go and fix it up. I've got to mow the lawn, put up a new wall. Come follow me. No, I've just bought a new, started a new business. I had my own business for seven years. Um, and, you know, I've just got to do this. I've just got, I've just got to. I'll, I'll follow you tomorrow. Uh, day's coming when I, you'll see me there. And the day never comes. Because we've got an enemy who knows how to keep you occupied in good things. Not evil things. And one of the worst things is to see a bunch of Christians neutralized. Because the devil can't. First, he works with unbelief. Yeah? The Bible tells us that he keeps, there's people out there who cannot see God. For the Christians, it's screaming God. The whole world. The whole fact that you've got this incredible body which is fearfully and wonderfully made. We were talking to a young man after the meeting last two weeks ago in Port Elizabeth. I preached at their student congregation. The student guy came up and eventually said, you don't, you're, not, you're not really a Christian, are you? He said, no. And he says, I prove God. I said, I don't have to prove God. God's done that already. I said, I don't know he does. Because often atheists will come on. I don't think there's actually such a thing as an atheist. Because the Bible says inside every person, eternity is, is, is put in them. I think there's agnostics. 
that if there is a God, I'm good enough to go to heaven. And they've got to leave that little door open. There are some people often proclaim that they're atheists. But I said, you know, you're speaking right now to this young guy. I said, you, what, the words coming out of your mouth are out of this incredible body. It's formed. God gave this body. He formed this body. The, the fact that you are standing here, can't you, but you can't see it because it's, it's a blindness. It's a blindness that the devil brings on, on people who are not saved. And then when people do become born again, there could be another blindness, another uh, spiritual blindness that they walk in in this journey, in this life. And they decide how God wants them to live and what, God, what is acceptable to God and what's not. What's the least I can give God to keep Him happy and pleased and that I can go into eternity with Him? Well, the Bible is very clear that... I haven't read one scripture yet, hey? Anybody getting offended by that? Um, I'm quoting scripture. I'm, I'm hoping I'm speaking the words of God, you know. And... Um, I've distracted myself. What was I saying? I pay you big bucks to follow me. In. <laughs> um, devil distracts. See, I got distracted. <laughs> Exhibit A. Blindness. Yeah. Spiritual blindness. There's a spiritual blindness that we walk in. And as Christians, and we're inactive, and we just, we're just good Christians to in our own book. And I want to challenge you this morning. One of the things I love doing is stretching the capacity of Christians and challenging them into more. I really believe that. And, I, and I, like I said, I, I was in business for 24 years. Like I said, oh yeah, but you're a full-time pastor. You don't know what it's like. Now I do know what it's like. I've, I've, I've and raised three children and everything, and I've been there, done that. So, sorry for your, if you are arguing against me in your mind, but uh, don't, don't try it if you don't mind. Uh, because really, We've lived this thing passionately. My wife will tell you, since I got saved, I've just been passionate for God and everything I do. My workplace, that is a place where I'm bringing the light. I think it came through, someone mentioned it. We are the light. You know, when I go into the workplace, I don't go there thinking, man, this is a career, this is a job. When I came to Cape Town in 97, I was working for a company that was owned by Total, the French Petroleum guys, as part of their chemical division. They gave me a career path. I've got the letter still to this day. Cape Town, year and a half, Europe, two years, and then back to Durban and oversee all the factories in South Africa. And that's still, that's, God just got me down here for a reason. He just used that whole career thing. And for me, it's not about a career path in this life. It's about serving Jesus all the way to the end, living my life fully for him. Let's, who's doing scriptures at the back there? Why don't you please put up uh, Romans 12, verse 1. And this also came through. I love what was coming through this morning in terms of, therefore I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, not dead sacrifices, but sacrifices that are alive, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. 
If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. So the first thing we see there is just that we are living sacrifice, that God's called us to offer ourselves continuously. It's not a one-off exercise. It's something that you're continuously doing and saying, Lord, here I am, offering myself as a living sacrifice. Daily, uh, Jesus said, deny yourself. And, uh, and it's a continuous challenge. And so this morning, I really ask you to open your hearts to, to what God has wanted to say to us as a people. Because you are called to impact Somerset West. We're called to bring the gospel. And how beautiful are the feet that bring good news, Romans tells us. And you've got beautiful feet. You may not think so, but God does. Because those feet belong to Him. Wherever you put your foot, you are taking the light of God into that place. There's nothing worse than seeing Christians shrinking back and not believing the power of their God and understanding the power of their God. You're an incredibly powerful people because of God, not because of you. If the very God who's alive right now lives inside of you, can you imagine what that means to wherever you go? And it's incredible how often Christians are intimidated by the world. Oh no, there's drinking there, there's swearing here. Man, go into the middle of all that stuff and bring the good news. Be the light in those places. I deliberately get involved in places where, where, where there's unsafe people. My sons do go-kart racing. And man, in, that pit, in those pits, I want to go there and, and help guys. And, and uh, we've done that. And, and lead people to Jesus. I'm involved in another hobby, another club as well. But I very seldom go there because of time constraints. But I go there for a purpose. To get to know those guys. I've done weddings for them sometimes. I said, will you do my son's wedding? Will you do my wedding? I will, but only if I can preach the gospel. Hey, you can. Great. Got 100 people, 50 people, 100, you know. And you can bring the good news of Jesus. We've got to be very intentional. You've got one life, and it's, before you know it, it's over. I mean, I was faced with that challenge, and maybe some of you were with over the last two years of this COVID story. Um, you know, just, just over a year ago, I was lying in ICU, and they when I came into the ward, uh, they basically said, you know, welcome to the COVID ward. This is the exact words they used. You're either going home to be with Jesus, or you might go home to your family. Because by that time, my oxygen levels were 60% and double pneumonia. And they said, basically said, say goodbye to this world. And I tried to say, record a message to my family and say goodbye, but I, I couldn't. I had no strength left. And I think prayer brought me through. Thanks for all the, the emphasis on prayer this morning. Thanks for the medical guys. I respect them and honor them. They did a great job. But really, the, the, the two ladies on the other side of me both died. I was praying for them. Not that they would live in physical body, but they would live in their souls. That God would meet them in their comas. Because people often encounter, you hear these experiences of people come back from those moments and they're where they had an encounter with God. And little pops and everything. And I said, Lord, I pray for these ladies. I pray for all the people in this ward. You know, they're all in coma. Because it was a COVID overflow ward where they put all the serious people. And um, I prayed that they would come to know Jesus, not for their physical health and their physical well-being. Because this, this life is so quick, man. It's over before you know it. And then you're faced with going into eternity. Are you ready? I mean, that moment, I had to grapple and say, Lord, am I ready? 
And I, I spent some time just saying, Lord, is there anything in my heart? Show me right now that I need to make right before I come to see you. And I, I really at that point felt I couldn't find anything. I said, Lord, because I keep short accounts. If somebody offends me, man, I've, I've trained myself to be unoffended. Because it's so easy to get offended. So easy. I dealt with a different cultural group yesterday morning in this country. And they've been through a difficult time in this life. And the things, words that I could use, it might offend them. So at the beginning, I said, will you all choose right now to be not offended? Raise your hands if you agree. And they all raise their hands. I'd been arrested and put in jail, fingerprinted by Richard and his bunch back in the day, the police, for hanging out with black people 40 years ago. It was harassment. It was just an intimidation tactic of the police of those days. And um, the irony, I'd also been in the defense force for four years. So, you know, there's things, I'll use that with them, because I realized, let me identify with these guys, where they're at. We've worked a lot into townships and all sorts of cultures, because we want to reach everybody for Jesus. You know, we come from a Scottish background. Where's the lady that came up this morning and shared the, the Danish lady over there? I believe you're from Denmark, yeah? My great-grandmother was Danish. I think this part of me, this arm, I think is Danish. Um, <laughs> it's the intelligent part of me. And, but to reach the nations, you know, I, I've got Scottish, most of our, my names, I've got two, come from two Scottish lines, Fraser and the Davidsons, got our own little plaques and our family colors, and we go back hundreds of years of generations, and, but that's not who I am. I'm a son of the living God, you know, whatever, whoever I'm with, they brothers and sisters. We're in one family. So this morning, I really want to challenge you to stretch yourself and to more. If you settle, that even in a lot of gray, and thankfully there's some gray-haired people here. Normally, I'm the only one with gray hair. Um, and, but for any of you guys who've got gray hair, won't you open your hearts this morning? Say, Lord, use me. Use me. Even if it's in prayer. Uncle Stan, he's 89, turning 90. He prays hours every day for guys like me. Because we're out there in, the, in front of a lot of situations. And, and Jesus said, my father is working even as I'm working in the book of John. This is work what I'm doing. It may not feel like it to you. You guys might think, no, this is like a little hobby job you do, you know. The real work starts tomorrow at the factory and the business and the corporate world. That's, that stuff comes and goes. It's part of a temporary world. It's, it's honorable and it's good to do it well. It's part of kingdom in terms of your life being there in those places. Nothing, we don't want to demean that. But this is actually the most important work is us as God's people, forming God's people to become a healthy bunch of guys who do life together. You know, 1 John 4.20 says that, how can you say you love God who you've never seen? But if you can't love man, who you can see. Because we all, you know, people say, no, I love Jesus. I don't trust man, I trust Jesus. Sounds all noble and wonderful, but it's actually not biblical. 1 Corinthians 13 says, love always trusts. It's hard, eh? Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He didn't put a t-shirt on, don't follow me, I'm lost just like you, and, and you know, just follow Jesus. It's true. There's truth in both, okay? Not either or. We are called to follow Jesus. He is. He is Jesus. He is the Savior. He is the Lord. We're not. You don't belong to us. You belong to Jesus. He died for you. We didn't. We're called to be under shepherds, under the great shepherd, Jesus, to lead you to Christ. My job this morning is to, not a job, whatever you want to call it, 
is to point you more to Jesus. I want you to fall more in love with Jesus, to commit your lives more to Jesus this morning. When you walk out that door, I hope I've motivated you because leadership is influence. And God always gives leaders. In the Bible, He's always raised up leaders. He's always had people who lead His, His people into more. Always. God doesn't work in a vacuum. I'm trying to bring the Spirit. And these are not just motivational words. We're not motivational speakers. I'm trying to bring this presence of God that will stir your hearts to more of Jesus. When, when you walk out of here, that, Lord, could, does, do I need to be a, a realignment in my heart? That I need to just surrender my heart more to you? Because, you know, we, when we teach on tithing and money and that, we hate doing it. We never used to do it for years until God spoke to us through someone else and said, you guys are actually being disobedient because Jesus spoke a lot about money. We don't speak about money to get money out of you for us. We, speak, we teach on money so that when you stand for God one day that you've been faithful with the trust that he gave you with money. And Jesus, you know, all know the, the statistics. Jesus spoke more about money than anything else. And he compared himself to money. He says, you cannot serve God or mammon. Choose which one it's going to be. Because money ref- represents power and influence. God wants your heart this morning. Because if your heart is fully his, and your heart, it sounds very weird, but everyone starts picturing a physical heart. But your heart is your will. It's, the, that, it's that place, that, that intersection where all decisions are made. Which way do I go? Which, which values do I hold on to in the business world? Little things like, do you pay VATs? Uh, in the business world. How many times have you gone to a business, a small business, and, you know, is this going to be cash or do you want a res- an invoice? Ah, you know, because obviously cash, no invoice. Invoice, I mean, invoice, you've got to pay tax, sorry. Yeah, cash, no. Tax, you, you know where it's going. You know what they mean. But just that we're just a small thing like that. How's this for a story? Just popped into my head. And uh, when you were in George last year, one of the guys, I don't know him very well, and uh, he came up to me and he said, I heard the story about you. That's, and I'd forgotten the story totally. But one of the guys, a guy called Nicky Garstens, has been our church for many years, he told them the story because he was the villain in the story. And we went somewhere in, in, on an outreach years ago, more than 20 years ago, and we pulled up at a, at a garage service station. And the guys all got out to go to the toilet. And on, at, the, at the toilet door, this, uh, the, the, the garage owner wanted two rand. You know, it's his garage. He wants two rand to go to use his toilet per person. So the one guy op- held the door open, Mickey Carson's, and let everybody through. I said, when they got back, I said, God, that wasn't cool what you did there. You know, just not a big deal, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard thing. You actually stole from that guy. It's only two rand, but with two rand, 20 million, stealing is stealing. You, know, you fail the test on 1% or 100%, you still fail. And just learn from it. You robbed that guy. He asked you for two rand. Why don't you just honor that and pay him his two rand? But just put it behind us, we move on. So this guy comes, he says, I heard the story that you did this. He said, if you can be viewed as that, you hold values in such small detail, he says, it means I can trust you. He says, because I can trust you, I'll trust anyone that you trust. I said, wow, do you, this guy, I don't even know this guy. And what I learned something through that in terms of trust. Because what has been undermined so much in society right now is trust. Because I'm trying to take you somewhere right now, as with the other elders here, and on a bigger, on the whole journey, take you more to into go into understanding how God works. He's under, what His ex- expectation is of us. Listen, but if guys say, oh, "I don't know if I trust you," and I'll think about that, you know, let me. Mm, interesting point. Yes, nice, but I'll, I'll, I'll weigh it up. I'll think about it. Jesus often didn't give people time to think about things. 
You know, what must I do, teacher, to inherit eternal life? Well, for you, give away all your money. It doesn't say to everybody, because God's very specific in how he works with people. Very much following the spirit. And when the guy says he walked away down cost, because he had a lot of money, Jesus didn't run off to him and say, no, no, just kidding. Just give half, you know, or a quarter. Just be a bit more generous than you have been in the past, you know. He just let him go. So often when it comes to following Jesus, he expects instant obedience. Tomorrow might be too late. In the small things. Because you can be trusted, the Bible says, with the small things. God can trust you with the big things. I shouldn't be standing here. I'm like the last oak that God would have, what God would have used in this type of thing. I was saying earlier, we introverts. But I realize if my personality gets in the way of God using me, then I've got to change my personality. We, had a, we got some of the older girls remember a, a lady in, in Durbanville morning. Her name is Anari. And she's an actuary. Anari the actuary. actually rhymes. And we had, like a, we had a leaders meeting. We got about 70 leaders in Durbanville. And we were, you know, we're going through children's ministry and youth and give us feedback. How's it going? Come stand here. Tell everyone how it's going. And, and I said, Anari, won't you just... Tell us how it's going with the pantry fund, because she oversaw the, 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 the money for the poor and things like that. And Henry just froze. She didn't move. And she went red. I mean, seriously red, eh? And it was like a bit of an awkward moment. So I had to like, oh, move on and talk to someone else. And after the meeting, I went up to her and said, I'm so sorry. I apologize. I, I shouldn't have put you on the spot like that. She said, no, you do that again. I've got to break my fear of man. And today, Henry will get up and stand here and talk to all of you. No problem. She said, this thing is getting in the way of the kingdom of God, and I've got to break it. I've got to get over myself. And some of you need to get over yourselves in terms of your personality. You box yourself in. The enemy has lied to you about who you are and what you've got to offer. We got a very big business guy, in, in uh, a seriously big business guy in Durbanville. And, and about a year ago, he said, after being with us for 15 years, he said, you know what? I can't just give money from a distance all the time. I've got to put my hand up for more. Said, Where do you want to use me? We said, well, why don't you lead one of our communities? I'll do that. Big business guy, and he's, his time is precious. You guys probably know who I'm talking about. They were with us in Durbanville. How, how come you didn't sing when you were in Durbanville? Is he uh, holding a microphone singing? Huh? Discovered your gifting. But has God got your heart? That's the, that's the key. Because if you've got your heart, the place, if he's Lord, truly Lord in that place, then you can find out, the Bible says, we just read there, find out what pleases God, find out His will, find out what, it'll, then you'll come to understanding of the mind of Christ. What is God saying? But if you don't ask, James says, if you, don't, you don't receive because you don't ask. How many of you have asked God, God, what is your will really for my life? Where do you, is there anything where else I can be used? Have you, and the expression will always be in the life of the church. Because the, in Ephesians it tells us that God wants to make Himself known through his church. Not just through meetings like this. This is a good meeting. A Sunday meeting, great. But church is actually Monday to Sunday. It's Monday to Sunday. It's, it's doing life together. No, but I'm, I'm a private person. Well, get over your private person. Really, it's not helping the kingdom of God. You're stifling what God wants to do. You're going to go and, you know, I was going to, I mean, got a fraction through my notes, but, um, you know, in um, Matthew 25, verse 14 to 30, it talks about the parable of the talents. And you guys all know the scripture if you've been around. Again, it'll be like a man going on a journey. He called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money. To another two talents. And to another one one talent. Each according to his ability. Then he went on his, on his journey. 
The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. He doubled what God gave him. So also, the one with two talents gained two more. He doubled what God gave him. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrust him with two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who received one talent came and said, master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, investing where you have not sown and gathering, where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. Not stranger, servant. He knew him as a servant. He was part of him. So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gathered where I've not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the banker. So when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has been, who's been given more, for everyone who has will be given more. And he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant, not stranger, outside into the darkness where there will be a weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, I don't want to overinterpret that scripture. But so they're all given a trust. Every one of you has been given a trust. You've been given a trust with your life. You've got time, you've got capacity, and there's a gift on your life that we read in Romans. There's different gifting. So every one of you right now sitting in this room is sitting with a gift. I'm a gift. I know I am. Because the Bible says it. It says so. So you've been given a trust. How trustworthy as a servant of the Lord Jesus have you been with the trust that he's given you? How many of you are going to just present back the one? And say, look, I I was a bit nervous, I was afraid, I was scared. You know, what if I stepped out, people laughed at me, what if I made a mistake? Let me just bury it. And you can see God was not that lenient and that impressed with that person. So I think, thing, maybe the thing that breaks God's heart, one of, one of the things that breaks his heart is those who go into eternity with nothing. With nothing. You know, 1 Corinthians 3 even says that our works can get burnt up and we just escape through the flames because we've built wrong. God wants to make himself known through his church. You exist for a reason. You, and it's not in a business understanding, but um, it's a family that's called to come and bring the light into Somerset West and beyond. But start here. And every one of us, we go out of here. to say, Lord, use me. I had a lady come up to me in Gauteng last week. Old lady. And she said, I want you to meet my daughter. You challenged us when you were up here in Gauteng once. And you said, go and bring someone to church. Because the reality is our culture, people come to church meetings, they do. And often they get born again in these times. Wonderful. It's not the only way, but it is a way. And she says, you know what, I didn't have anyone I could go to, but my daughter was there. So I said to my daughter, come to church with me. She says, she got thoroughly born again. She's off drugs. Her life has transformed. Here she is standing here. You challenged us. You asked us to go and do it. And I thought, oh, let me be obedient to what God is saying. Obedience brings. So if you don't step out, you'll never know. You just hold back. Yeah, but, and the enemy is lies to you. How many of you have believed the enemy's lies over your life? You know, if I, if, I, if I go and tell someone about Jesus, they might reject me. 
Well, Jesus was rejected. We heard this morning from guys getting up. He was rejected soundly and seriously from all angles. Face up to that. I lost some of my family during the time when I got born again. They said I'd grow out of it. But 42 years later, I haven't grown out of it, thankfully. And I'd settle down. I haven't settled down. I'm still full of what Jesus put in me. William Booth, who started the Salvation Army. I'm coming to land now. Um, in the 1800s, and they were very effective in London and the UK and, and, and even in America. And when they interviewed him as an old man, they said, William Booth, how come your life has, has been so effective for God? He said, when William Booth came to Jesus, God got all of William Booth. And the question this morning is, you a grace gift. God's given you something. He's entrusted it to you. I was entrusted with a wife 40 years ago, one of God's daughters. I was never afraid of my father-in-law. I was afraid of him, my father, her father. Because one day I got to stand before God and he's going to say, how did you handle this marriage? How do you handle my daughter? Did you look after her? Did you love her the way I cross in Ephesians 5? Love her, I cross loves the church. She's got her instruction from God. I've got mine, according to the Bible. And how we should, she's got to stand for God one day also. And God will say, how did you love my son that I entrusted to you? We're all given a trust of talents, of giftings. All of you have got a gifting and a talent. And it's not just to make money and to have a career. The world has lied to you. The devil has lied to you. I'm at the age now, I look at my qualifications, and I've got two, one in aeronautical engineering and one in, in uh, business management from Boston. And I think, I can't even use those. I'm too old. If I go and take them to someone now, they'll laugh me out the door. You know? I said, how did I sweat for those things and work for those and... I thought I had a career and a job and this was important and a directorship and I, it was so important. I had the Mercedes E-Class and I look back, even as a born-again Christian, sometimes those things grip my heart. I had to keep fending them off. Like, whoa, keep in your place. It's okay, it's not sin, but keep in your place to have those things. And I challenge you guys this morning, all of you, for your sake. You know what leadership is? We've got to train you and bring the Word of God to you that when you stand for God one day, you can say, but you guys train, you guys told us about this stuff. Because we've got to give an account for you. Hebrews 13, 17 says, leaders must give an says, obey your leaders and all that type of thing. It says they've got to give an account for you one day. I'm an elder in the overall of Josh Jen. Even you guys, even though I may not know you by name, I've got to give an account for every word I've spoken this morning. The Bible says that I'll be judged more strictly than you because of what I've been sharing. I'm talking nonsense, I'm talking Russell nonsense. But if I'm speaking God, then I want you to listen carefully. Because this is, this is precious. You've got, you've got this one life to live. There's no second chance. Come back and start and do it all over again. If you've made mistakes, God is quick to forgive. Very quick to forgive. Slow to anger. Full of love. It's an amazing God, the God that we serve. Patient with us. But there's other sides to God. Consider the kindness and sternness of God. He's kind. He's gentle. But, we just read the scripture. Don't mess with them. You know. Don't waste what God has given you. God wants to work through you. Ephesians says he wants to make himself known through his church. There's no other plan. There's no B plan, C plan, D plan. There's only A plan, one. The church is called to represent Jesus and, to, and show the life of Jesus, show the love of Jesus in all its different forms and, and giftings and grace.